Hey, thank you for coming back for another episode of Falling Out. Today I have part one of my interview with Eris Meyer. Eris is from the west coast of the U.S. and he occupies a unique position in the caste system within the Unification Church. Eris is a so-called Jacob's child. What that means is that he wasn't born into the group, but his family joined the group when he was a kid. So he went through the process of starting outside and becoming inside. He was love-bombed into becoming a member of the church. And his stories are incredible. As a Jacob's child within the Unification Church, he was told that his job was to serve others like me. We talk in this episode about some of the formative experiences in Eris's childhood. We talk about him living in a van and selling wind chimes on the side of the road for six days a week so that the Moon family could build a second palace in Korea or God knows what with that money. We talk about heavenly deception, the doctrine that the church preaches, which says it's okay to lie and cheat and steal in the name of the church's will. We talk about him being told to remember his place as a so-called undesirable within the church. Honestly, that couldn't be further from the truth. I'll let you decide after listening to this whether or not you think anyone is deserving of that moniker, let alone the guy who I'm about to interview who has a heart of gold. It's also been brought to my attention that some listeners may not be old enough to get a specific cultural reference that occurs towards the beginning of this episode. The reference is to Lorena Bobbitt. So yes, there's a joke in here about Lorena Bobbitt and flying dicks. If you don't know who she is, go Google her before listening to this episode because it'll make a whole lot more sense. We also talk about Ares's departure from the church. A departure that was precipitated by the rape and murder of a fellow teenager in the church while she was out on church mission work. Make no bones about it. That death could have been prevented. And guess what? Right now, at the end of December 2020, in the midst of the COVID pandemic, the church is still sending kids out to sell trinkets for cash all across America in the middle of the pandemic. They are still needlessly putting the lives of young people at risk. We talk about that and more in this episode. I'm not going to say much more because not much more needs to be said. This man's story speaks for itself. Please listen to this and to part two where we talk further about COVID fundraising and the hypocrisy of sending supposedly precious children out into harm's way. We also talk further about the impact of being called an undesirable on the rest of Eris's life. Can you imagine being a child and being told that, that you're somehow unpure and your job is to serve the pure? That's what he lived through, and he's still living with the consequences today. With that, here's Eris's bio. Thank you all for listening. Eris Meyer was born in Irvine, California, and grew up in San Clemente, California. His father rejoined the Unification Church after many years when Aries was in middle school, and that is when his journey in the church began. 
not being born into the church, Eris was designated a quote-unquote Jacob's child, which meant he was not of God's pure blood lineage like the children conceived by couples wed and quote-unquote blessed by Sun Myung Moon. Those kids being someone like me, whose parents were blessed by Reverend Moon before my birth. All of this put Eris at the bottom of the Unification Church caste system. I know that sounds harsh, but it is true. Eris currently lives in Los Angeles and is an amateur painter and poet. Follow him on Instagram at Eris Meyer and his painting Instagram at stupid90sart. I'll put all these in the show notes later. Here it is, my interview with Eris Meyer, part one. All right. Well, uh, Eris, welcome to the show. For the benefit of people that are listening, would you mind, I, I guess, just kind of tell us sort of where you are, where you are now, where you're, where you're calling in from. But also, I think it really helps to sort of place you in the, in the Mooney space-time continuum uh, to understand sort of where you were born, when you were born, and just some of the broad strokes of, of sort of how you grew up. So yeah, can I op- open up the conversation with that? Yeah, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Yes, I currently likewise. reside in Los Angeles, California. I've been in Southern California pretty much all my life. Outside of two years, I lived in the Bay. Yeah, so I'll tell you a little bit about my life. As yeah. you know, I wasn't born into the Unification Church. Yeah, um, and and I, I I want to drill into that because that's a really interesting experience and and one that that's not well known even amongst people like me. Uh, so I'm I'm really interested in that. So yeah, please please continue. Totally. All right. So I was born in Orange County, Orange County, California, which is Southern California in a city called Irvine. But I grew up in a city called San Clemente, which is basically like it's a beach city and it's very mixed. Like there's very rich white people. And then there's middle class and working white and brown people. And then we're right next to Kent Pendleton, which is a Marine base. So all the kids from Camp Pendleton also go to schools in San Clemente. And that's where we got a lot of like black and Pacific Islander kids. So it was like, it was a pretty, pretty mixed group. And would you have considered yourself like part of like the the sort of upper class or the more working class there? Oh, working class. So basically my dad is from France and he met my mom. My mom is from Orange County and, you know, they, they got together and they had me and they had my brother, Jove, and we were raised for the first I'd say maybe four or five years of my life. I'm not exactly sure with both of them. But around that time, my mom and dad started having kind of problems and they broke up. My mom had a lot of like substance abuse issues and stuff like that. So for the majority of my life, I didn't really see her or have contact with her. You know, she was around. She was, you know, partying and dating and doing whatever. But she wasn't really in my life growing up as like a parental figure. So mostly it it was my dad. And he's, you know... He's a house painter. So he, most of the time he was at work. So he found ways that me and my brother could kind of like be washed or taken care of through preschool. Or we spent a lot of time like at the boys and girls club, stuff like that. But a lot of my childhood, like we kind of lived on the same street where we knew a lot of people, but I was kind of like a, a a lonely kid. Mm -hmm. Like I would go to, you know, walk to to elementary school by myself. Yeah. You know, I, I would meet other kids, but I would get in fights a lot or get teased. They're like, I okay. wasn't really like, 
like popular you know like i didn't have a okay. lot of friends we were okay. pretty poor we okay. lived in like in an apartment building and we were like me and my brother slept on couches in the living room it was like wow. a bedroom apartment whoa so, okay we, you know we didn't grow up with like a lot of money yeah and yeah like a lot of the times as a kid like i felt like lonely kind of depressed i really wanted people to like me you know growing up without a mom like i had a lot of like self-esteem issues yeah and you know i would go to school and everyone's like I don't know. It just felt like everyone had their stuff together, you know, like yeah. they would have like their parents would come do things. And, uh, you know, I, that never really happened for me. I didn't really yeah. do like after school activities or yeah. sports or anything like that. And I remember like the first kind of person that ever like showed me any kind of attention or like inspired me is in fifth grade. There's this yeah. teacher and uh, he was really into the Beatles. And in my okay. family, my, you know, my dad never really talked about religion or music or stuff yeah. like that. We were into like mythology and that's why my name is, you know, Eris, the Greek God of War. Okay. We were okay. into like mythology and history and stuff. And I remember he like played the Beatles and it was the first time I had heard the Beatles, which was like, it's kind of crazy, you know, most, yeah. most kids, I feel yeah. like that's pretty, like pretty, pretty spot on. <laughs> so, but the reason I'm bringing that up is because yeah. I never really had like a, like a direction or ideas or, you know, we didn't have like a religion or a spiritual teacher or yeah. anything. So okay. listening to the Beatles, like I learned a lot about like love and friendship mm -hmm. and like, mm -hmm. it was like, they were, they were kind of like inspiring to me. Yeah. A lot of the, like the, the heroes and the, 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 the people that I looked up to because I didn't really have them in my life would later become like people that wrote books or mm. people that made music or stuff like that. Yeah. But anyway, so that's, that's kind of how I grew up, you know, kind okay. of like a poor okay. kid okay. going to the boys and girls club playing sports. Yeah. Not, you know, just didn't really have like too many, too many friends, you know, I mostly yeah. had like Nintendo and okay. action figures and, you know, fast forward to, I think I was in seventh grade and by then, you know, I had, I had really like gotten into hip hop and the first, the first book that I ever was like super inspired by was the autobiography of Malcolm X. Oh my God. Uh, I love that book. We got to come back to that. It's life-changing. Oh um, my God. I didn't know that. I didn't, that, that's, am that's amazing. We got to come back to that. Like, oh yeah. my, holy shit. Yeah. You know, because like I said, like I was very lonely and, uh, you know, because I didn't really have like, you know, my dad loved me, of yeah. course, my brother loved me, but I didn't really feel yeah. love. So whenever I found somebody that like stood up for their people or like yeah. just was like really strong, those yeah. kind of people really inspired me. So like yeah. my heroes were, you know, Malcolm X, Sitting Bull, Tupac Shakur, people that were like, they were human and they had like ugliness inside of them and brokenness, but they mm -hmm. also like exuded like love and strength and uh, anyway so those were kind of like my heroes at the time that's what yeah. i was into so yeah so anyway so i'm in i'm in middle school yeah and my dad one morning is like he's like hey it's like sunday morning he's like hey do you want to go to church <laughs> and me and my brother were like oh dude what are you talking what are you, what is that like it's sunday we're gonna eat cereal and watch cartoons like what are you talking about dude so he's like he's like yeah i, I want to go to church so you guys come with me and I was like, no. And he was like, well, if you go to church, then I'll buy you. I forget what it was. It's like a video game or, okay. you know, something, yeah. you know, basically like a, yeah. a parent gets their kid to do stuff they don't yeah. want to do. Take them to McDonald's, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So, so we're like, all right, like we'll go, whatever. Yeah. And like I said, we had no concept of religion. We, yeah. So had you we, ever been to church before? No. Like any type of church? We didn't, I didn't know about Christianity. I didn't know okay. about anything. I just, I knew about, you know, I mean, I, I knew who, like, I knew the name Jesus. Cause I yeah. Yeah. Up, Cause I you never, hear it culturally, but, but yeah. you, like you would never, okay. So you never been, I never like, like went to church or did. Yeah. Any, okay. You know, my heroes okay. were like X-Men and you know, yeah, that's, that was yeah. like the, <laughs> the people in my life that, that yeah. they're not like, Jesus. yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, so my dad takes us to, to, 
you know, we get with them in the car and we, and we drive towards San Diego. What I didn't know at the time was my dad had used to be a member of the, the Unification Church and had oh, left really? before I was born. In France or in the U.S.? In France. Okay. And someone had communicated with him while he was raising me and my brother and had like said, hey, why don't you come back and like, you know, come okay. see us. It was something like that. So anyway, that's that's kind of why we were going. So okay. So we're in the car and we, we drive down to San Diego and we pull up to this house and it's like a house house. It's not yeah. like a, <laughs> you know, it's not like a church. Yeah. So we, we get there and me and my brother are like, oh, I guess this is church. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, here we are. Yeah. So we go inside and I remember like super vividly, the first thing that surprised me was the smell. Okay. Because um, I, I, I didn't, I, you know, I grew up, like I said, a, a white kid. The people that I hung out with were like white, black, Latino. I didn't really hang out yeah. with Asian people. Yeah. Okay. So there were like food smells that okay. you know, now yeah. the food that I love. Yeah. But at the time, I think they were making curry or something like that. Yeah. So okay. That was like the first thing I, when I walked yeah. in, I smelled it and I was like, yeah. what is that? The second thing I noticed was there was a lot of Asian people. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, like I said, I didn't grow up with, with Asian people. So I was yeah. like, very, I was like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, you start meeting everyone and mm-hmm. all the adults are super nice because they know kind of what's going on. You know, they want mm. my dad to come back. And yeah, they, there was probably like a memo that went around earlier before he yeah, came. Like this probably. guy's been gone for years. He's coming back. Let's put on our good face. Yep. Yeah, um, exactly. That, Let's yeah. love Obama. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so, you know, they have like the their service and then they at a certain point, they're like, okay, all the kids can go downstairs for for, you know, Sunday school. And yeah. my dad's like, you guys can go. And we were like, but we don't know anybody. And then yeah. like, he's like, just go. So we went, yeah. and, you know, we don't really know what's going on. Like yeah. when they're singing and doing whatever, we're just kind of just doing whatever. So I remember it was in October because they, the youth group leader at the time was having a discussion about Halloween costumes. Mm. And this is how like out of touch me and my brother were, we're outside and they're, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, what do you want to be for Halloween? Oh, what do you want to be for Halloween? Mm. And then they come on to me and my brother. And, and the girl before my brother, her name is Lorena. Okay. And they're like, you know, she says her costume. And my brother goes, no, no, no. You know who you should be? You should be Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> and I start laughing. And I was like, yeah, and you could throw fake wieners at people. And the, the, the youth leader at the time was just so horrified. Like... Their face was just like pale, you know, because here oh my we were these two like street kids, you know, like we're that's how we talk. We're just <laughs> we're just street kids, and we're we're just like tainting all of the youth, you know. So whatever. So that's like the first time we ever went oh to church. God, that's that's the best induction ever. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Oh my god. And, and you know, we also like there were other things that I noticed. Like there's pictures of true parents everywhere. Yeah. I didn't know who they were. Yeah. And as usual, people were like, "Oh yeah, that's you know my grandparents or whatever." You know, they, yeah. they always try to like say the same stuff to white people. Yeah. So fast forward, we yeah. do the same Sorry, thing Sorry, just to, just to stop there for people that that, that aren't familiar, because I'm hoping some people listen to this that aren't that aren't church members. Sure. Just to, just to sort of clarify what what I think you're referring to is basically like every church family always had photos of the Reverend Moon and his family, and if you were Asian, you could convince visitors that those those photos were of your grandparents yeah but if you're embarrassed of them but if you're white or of any other race you couldn't blame you couldn't blame it on you know being some distant relatives you just had to come up with some other reason exactly uh, just be embarrassed like all, about it yeah all kinds of like fun ones that uh, people would come up with yeah but uh, anyway so that was like the the first time this, then a couple i think weeks later yeah my dad gave us the same deal but this time he wanted okay. to go to los angeles 
okay. in Los Angeles. So we went and it had like a real church. Okay. Like they had, they had yeah. been renting like a, I don't know, a Catholic church or some, some church. Yeah. They, they, they do that a lot in a lot of, or they, I know they used to, they would, they'll rent like a, yeah, some local hall or whatever though. They'll rent every, every yeah. weekend. Yeah. So at, at that, that place was more of a church. We do the whole thing again, but this yeah. time I met like a lot of people that were my age that were like really okay. cool. That would end up later in life being like my best friends, even yeah. still to this day. Some of okay. them are like the closest people. Yeah. And so that made me want to start going to church because okay. I was like, oh, these people are really cool. Yeah. And like I said, like I had friends that I grew up with, but not really. They were yeah. like, they were like acquaintances. I was always an outsider. Okay. You know, I was the poor kid that didn't get invited to birthdays that like were with the rich kid, whatever. Okay. So fast forward to that, that summer, they invited me to go to summer camp. And this okay. is like where, like, I really like my joining the church moment kind of happened. Yeah. So they invite me to summer camp and I was like stoked because my friends from LA were going to be there. Yeah. And you know, like I said, I was just like a street kid. Right. So I just showed up hat to the side, you know, hip hop was like my, the biggest influence in my life. Yeah. Obviously I'm a white kid, but still like hip hop spoke to me. Yeah. Um, Had you ever been to any, camp. any summer camp before then? No, like never. literally like your first summer camp. Never, ever, that's ever. actually like, you could see how that would just be exciting for any kid. It was for yeah. the first time. It was literally somewhere. Like, yeah, I've never been in the woods. Like yeah. I've never, there was one time that I got invited at, in elementary school cause they felt bad for me. They invited me to do like boy scouts. Yeah. But I went to the event and they were like building houses out of cheese balls. And I was like, Dang. this shit is corny. I'm out of here. Dude. <laughs> so like, that's the, like outside of that, I never did anything outdoorsy, you know? you know yeah elementary school was rough like I remember they bought me and my brother they took us out of class and like gave us clothes because we always wore the same clothes all the wow. time okay it was like that kind of situation yeah like, okay we were like obviously the poor kids kind of different. yeah anyway so yeah we go to the summer camp and I see these these kids from LA that I really yeah. like and like I said you know my I had low self-esteem I didn't I didn't mm. feel worthy of love so like yeah. the fact that these kids were like so nice to me made yeah. me really like yeah wanna be around them and, you know, it's the, fir the first time I did a lot of things, you know, we got there and we started like singing songs. Yeah. And that was weird for me because, you know, when yeah. you grow up, like you have like this machismo thing, like, man, I'm not going to like sing and clap. Yeah. Like your first instinct, yeah. especially as like a middle school boy is to like make fun of it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everyone else is doing it. So slowly, yeah. you know, your your shield comes down and you start yeah. doing it too. So I'm singing yeah. all these songs and, you know, yeah. I didn't know the words to anything. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we start eating. Yeah. So I'm trying like these new foods I never tried before, yeah. Korean food, Japanese yeah. food. And they're like, they were incredible. Like, it, you know, totally, totally something I've never had. Yeah. And then I just, just started meeting like more kids and more kids. Yeah. And I remember this one kid I met, I had this surfer hat and it said dysfunctional on it. It was like a yeah. surf brand. Okay. And I, I remember this kid behind me in line was like, dysfunctional. And I turned around and I was like, good job, idiot. You can read. <laughs> and uh he, that kid was like ended up being one of my best friends later but i was just like a punk you know yeah so anyway like during that week like it totally like just ground me down and you know we did like entertainment night and just stuff that was yeah. Like, fun yeah and, it, and made me start meeting all these people yeah and it like started like the beginning of this this church relationship and yeah. they did lectures for anyone that's not yeah. listening every summer camp they always do the book the different books of the divine principle yeah so they'll do like purpose of creation and then the fall and each yeah. chapter basically as a presentation yeah. yeah and that's something that from the time you're a kid all the way to the time you're an adult you always learn the same stuff yeah because 
like the, the you know the basics yeah yeah i mean um, i remember learning that stuff when i was like four or five years old yeah. in my house and it, and i went to, i started going to summer camps earlier because I, I was born into the church and so but yeah i i learned all that stuff from from an earlier age just because i i was born into it so, so for you yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, I mean yeah it was weird to me that all the kids already knew all the songs and stuff yeah so they'd, they'd been doing, seeing it for 10 years yeah. or, or i didn't right yeah. At that point, I didn't realize that I was any different than anybody else. I had no and, idea. I and were they we were all just meeting yeah. each other for the first time? And, <laughs> you know, I didn't know. And were there any other kids like you that had, had like like whose parents had joined, or or any other kids who who, who weren't born into it? Were that were somehow thought, like new, I thought, new to it? Well, at that point, I didn't know that I was any different. I didn't know yeah. that I was even at a thing that that, yeah. that mattered. I thought, yeah, nobody okay. knew anybody. Yeah. Um, okay. And I only you oh, know, found out okay. later that everyone okay. was born into it and grew up in it. Yeah. But, uh, so, you know, like I, I sat through the lectures and they didn't really make sense to me because I wasn't yeah. raised on religion. So I had no yeah. basis of understanding yeah. what they were talking about. But I did understand that Reverend Moon was somebody important, Yeah. that they all looked up to him because, you know, like people would talk about him and cry and like. Yeah, they. I mean, that's a whole whole thing. They encourage you to have these like quote unquote like spiritual experiences and like, you know, cry about how amazing he was and you know the dream you had about him or like all all this you know how important he was in your life. So sure. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. remember I remember being in the midst of that, and I can just imagine you. You like, you never seen it before. You get there, and everyone is like, is you know doing doing this sort of thing. You're probably like, okay, I guess this guy is awesome. I mean, it, that's exactly how it felt. I was just yeah, like, I guess. You know, like, I, I guess he's important. Yeah. And the yeah. other big thing was, like, you know, at this summer camp, mad cute girls were talking to me. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, like, I was, like, I told you I was in fifth grade listening to the Beatles and stuff. So I was all into, like, romance and love. And But, you know, like, I didn't have any game. I was a little kid. Yeah. So being at this summer camp and all these, like, cute Asian and half Asian girls are talking to me. And I'm just like, what's up? You know, like. <laughs> super into it so anyway like after leaving that that summer camp my dad was like so what do you think like do you want to like be part of this church or like mm. and me and my brother were like yeah because we was like we okay were like, we felt wow. like so you know like these are my friends now wow so you know after that things started progressing pictures of true parents all of a sudden popped up in our house yeah we were going to church more often on the, the weekends and that's kind of when yeah. I started learning like what the principle is kind of what the expectations of the church are yeah you know just through the through the the months just kind of finding out like you know it was it was like middle school to high school those years yeah where, like, i went from like nobody to somebody in the church and that's when i learned basically that me and my brother were outsiders which yeah it was like a conversation that someone had to have with me at a certain point which basically if you don't if you didn't grow up in the church the basis of the unification church is that Adam and Eve were supposed to start a family on earth and Lucifer seduced Eve who seduced Adam. So all of humanity is basically Lucifer's blood lineage. So Jesus was supposed to have a family and reestablish God's blood lineage. He didn't do it. Mm -hmm. he appeared to Reverend Moon as a teenager and told him, this is my mission. I need you to do it. So like the entire basis of Reverend Moon's theology is is based on like blood lineage, right? Yes. So yeah, the big selling point for the Unification Church was Reverend Moon's blood lineage is pure. His yeah. children's are pure, and if you yeah. join the church and get married in the church, then yeah. your kids can have this pure blood lineage. Yeah, God's blood lineage. So yeah, all the people that I was at summer camp with were those kids. 
yeah. their parents had joined in the 60s and 70s, had yeah. families. And un- unbeknownst to me, they were all the, you know, the, so, the supposedly the, free of original sin, which is the, yeah. which is the bucket that I, that I fall in because my parents were, you know, they were married by the Reverend and, and I was born of that supposedly pure lineage, basically. Yeah. So the, yeah. the stories that I would, I would hear were basically about those, you know, those blessing ceremonies and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So at yeah. that time is when me and my brother were basically pulled to the side and, and told, look, here's the reality of the situation. You know, we, we, we like you guys just as much as everyone else. Like you're, 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 you're part of it, you know, your family, but you have to understand your blood lineage is not pure. And there's, there's things that you have to know basically that you can never marry any of these kids. You can't have relationships with any of these kids because that would taint their blood lineage and you're in the position of a servant to them you these are these are literally god's children on earth and you have to uphold them take care of them but just kind of know your place you know what i mean so Um, holy shit okay i hadn't uh, like uh, that whole servant to them thing is not something that i've heard before that is really fucked up yeah it was basically like it was basically told to us that fuck your your job is to make sure that that they are uplifted you know what i mean it was it was never like a super in your face yeah it was always more of a subtle take you to the side and remind you like yeah. hey, you're getting you're getting too close to this girl remember your position remember who you are Man. so it was that kind of situation holy sh- but here's the thing so so we were told basically that for us to get matched and blessed we would have to find other people like us whose parents mm-hmm. had joined the church or who yeah. had joined the church on their own yeah but there were barely any i mean it was such <laughs> yeah. a a small yeah. portion of people. Yeah. And the reason for that is because basically in Reverend Moon had basically his big one trick pony move that he had was to give these people the blessing and yeah. for them to have less children. Yeah. So after that, there's no incentive for people to join the church because everyone joining the church can't be in a relationship with anyone that was born into the church. Yeah. So it's kind of like they had, they had already they'd already made their big move, you know what I mean? He yeah. had already done the one thing that's going to bring people to this church. Yeah. So now yeah. me and my brother are joining it and we're it, you know, we're the lowest in the caste system basically. Whereas Fuck in the beginning man. there was no caste system. Yeah. Because everyone joins, everyone's equal. Yeah. And everyone yeah, exactly. Yeah, for payoff. our parents, for our parents, everyone joined as equals. Yeah. And then the pay, yeah, the payoff was in the kids effectively so, for for them, but if you joined as a kid <laughs> it's, it's no upside it's only downside effectively yeah. well, not that it, i would say there was tremendous there's a lot of upside for me either but <laughs> yeah. <it> was, but, <laughs> yeah, good, so, yeah. Yeah. but yeah so so for me and my brother like oh man it was something that we just kind of compartmentalized yeah and for me specifically because i had grown up without a mom yeah i was like i would just i would always put myself last i would always tuck my own yeah. my own needs and wants down you know so yeah. me and my brother decided we were going to be front and center, the loudest, the most vocal, the proudest church members. You know what I mean? Like we wanted wow. to, we wanted to be the ones up on stage leading the songs. We wanted to be, yeah. you know, it's kind of like if you're the kid that doesn't get any love, you're doing whatever yeah. you can, even bad things sometimes to get yeah. the attention from your parents. Yeah. So like, that's what we did. And, you know, to me, the people in the church that like that were my friends like they were the most important thing you know like i kind of lived 
two lives because where I lived regularly was in between San Diego and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like see church people every day. They weren't like my everyday friends. Yeah. And you know, I was poor. So I was going to the library and getting on aim on like the free computers and sending yeah. emails and trying to any way that I can, like stay in connection, you know, with these people that like became my friends, you know, that yeah. were, like, they love me. They included me. Yeah. You know, it was, it was just, it was weird because I was never like, like it was like love. It was like conditional love, you know. It's very but conditional. Not, but yeah. not from them though. Though the people yeah. that my peers never treated me different. They never, yeah. you know. Yeah. It was always adults that were kind of whispering yeah. in my ear, reminding me like, yeah, you remember, remember who you remember are. Remember who you are. Remember your place. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So who? I'm just kind of curious, like that. You you talk about like you know at a certain age that someone kind of like took you aside and told you all this stuff do you like do you remember who that person who that person was and like what the the setting and the context was of that that first discussion I don't exactly remember uh but I remember that we were talking about the blessing which is you know basically at back then your parents could kind of choose who you married yeah so people were like through their parents being like hey I like this person hey I like this person yeah and basically, like, the adults had taken me and my brother aside and told us, like, yeah, you can't do that. Like, you don't get to do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was hard because, like, you know, when I was in high school, like, you know, there was, like, this girl that I was really into. And, like, she, like, really liked me for me. You know, we'd, like, hang out all the time, wrote each other poems. We were, like, best friends. Yeah. She, like, wanted me to date her, you know. Like, yeah. I wanted to date her. But, like, yeah, I just had this thing put inside me from the church where I, I you know put it above everything even myself yeah and yeah. I didn't end up dating her yeah and, you know that was hard because like there's all these church people they're happy they're you know getting yeah. matched up whatever so yeah anyway so and that's I mean that's crazy because yeah I mean I, I I grew up in that whole paradigm of like your parents match you well I mean at first it was Reverend Moon will match you and then when I was like late teenagers it started to like change to parents matching but there was never like it's just crazy to think of like you growing up in that where like all your friends in the church are doing that and like they kind of like like, no one's just dating on their own and yet Mm -hmm. you kind of like you can't have access to that system but yet you also can't have access to the other system of which is like let me just date someone and like figure it out on my own because you can only in theory you can only do it for someone else who's joined the church or or, whose parents joined the church you know or you convince them to join the church that's another way the majority of those people didn't live in america so yeah. According to them, basically, I would have to marry someone from somewhere else. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, kind of high school, went through most of high school, wow. kind of just that way, kind of, yeah. you know, growing. I learned more about the, the church. And during that time, like I learned a lot more about different religions. I did kind of my yeah. own research. Yeah. I ended up doing PLA, Pure Love Alliance in yeah. 97. I, I did that 2000. too. I think I was on the same, the same U.S. tour as you. Uh, which one uh, did you do? 2000 or 97? 90, I, did, I think I did 97 and 98. Yeah. 97 is the one that started in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was there. I was there. And I, was so like I, the, I was like the youngest person there. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah. I kind of like vaguely remember you from, from, from that PLA tour. It was like the first time that I'd ever felt uncomfortable in the church, really. Really? Okay. Everyone had always been like super nice to me or I'd yeah. along with people my own age. Okay. And I had been convinced by some older people to do PLA. Yeah. And, you know, like I was like pretty young. Yeah. The basis of PLA is like abstinence before marriage, infidelity yeah. and marriage and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, like, and actually just, 
just to just to give a little context there for people, PLA stands for Peer Love Alliance. It's mm-hmm. this church act, activity like thing that was created in the late '90s, where basically me and Ares and a bunch of other kids would in the summers would go on tours in buses and have these like rallies where we were like trying to convince people to be abstinent effectively. Basically, um, yeah, that's what that's had, what like, it placards, was. chants, yeah, marching through downtown, yeah, yeah, and it was like. You know, I was like pretty young. I was I was yeah. definitely How, the younger person, the youngest person in '97. Okay, okay. And I remember like some people were really nice, and some yeah. people like were like kind of bullies, like older okay. church kids that I hadn't, you know, I didn't really know. Yeah. But I was out there on the streets, placard in hand, you know. Yeah. Super into it, like yeah, abstinence, fidelity, blah, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. But it's funny because at the same time, you know, I'm a dude, like, and I'm thinking like, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is what you do like yeah <laughs> you know i was i was little so like yeah. if someone were to challenge me and argue with me about it i'd be like uh, i don't know but i wanted people to like to you know to like me so much like yeah. i wanted to be part of it so i was yeah. willing to do whatever they wanted me to do yeah and then in 2000 when i did it i'd become like i had really absorbed the church by that point and okay. i was like i am this thing i believe yeah. these things this is the okay. right way i'd okay. gone you know all the way in yeah okay um, so I was like loud and proud in 2000, you know, on yeah. stage, like, you yeah. know, I, I had just chosen, like, pretty much I had chosen to immerse myself in the church and kind of put yeah. everything else, you know, yeah. to the back. And like, I was so sure that like, you know, the church was the answer. The principle was yeah. true. Yeah. You know, I was, I, and it was all based on the love of, like, I, I didn't want to lose the love of the people in my life. Yeah. So I was willing to like put my brain away almost and just yeah. like live you know like live with the group like yeah die with them you know and and it's kind of crazy like talking to someone like you who you know unlike unlike me like you know was was introduced to the group from from a position of not being part of the group then like had that introduction phase in in in, in a way that many of our parents did back in back in the day like you mentioned it like you go to this thing for you as a summer camp for them it was some workshop but Mm -hmm. you go there and it's like this instant love this instant like affection and this sense of belonging that's just like envelops you and you're actually you're the first person i've spoke to uh, like that that grew up in it but 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 not from birth so so you actually had that you 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 can you can contrast both sides of it you had you saw what it was like before you met it and then you met it and you were subjected to to that and you can you can kind of kind of see the full story there which is which is really interesting because i never actually spoken with someone or had this type of conversation with someone who's been through it in that way so yeah that's, that's, that's really interesting yeah i mean and the thing is like i know my perspective isn't the same as like everyone feels different ways about the church in retrospect, you know, the people that have left it anyway. Yeah. And I had some beautiful, life-changing, amazing experiences that I'll never take away from the church. Some Mm -hmm. things that were like so transformative and awesome. And then the flip side is, you know, there was so much like mental abuse and like, you know, obviously living in like a, a caste system and just so much like, uh, yeah, I mean, basically just m- mental abuse of putting yeah. yourself after everything, you know? Yeah. And I didn't really realize that the church was that way until I graduated high school and I decided to not go to college. I decided to go to STF. Okay. And is, can, yeah. Can you just explain what STF is? Yeah. Basically it's the church has a missionary program after you graduate high school yeah. and it's a two part program or it was, 
in my days, it was a two-part program and it had since evolved into something else. But basically the whole first year of it, you fundraise. So you live in a van and you sell trinkets basically to make money for the church. And it's supposed to be that you not only are making money for the church, but you're growing yourself as a person by doing this really hard thing. God is a suffering God. So you're, you're basically going to suffer to understand what it's like to be God is kind of the way to sell it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, you live in a van, you don't eat a lot, you don't sleep a lot. You're just working, 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 working. Yeah. Do you have, can I just ask, do you have any idea? So this is all untaxed, uh, you know, know, all cash untaxed type of type of Mm -hmm. revenue. As far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any idea like how much you as an individual would would make <laughs> would make in a in a week or in a month or or in a year? I'm just I'm well, just trying to figure out like the scale here. I was incredibly horrible at it. Okay. But there were <laughs> girls that I worked with yeah. or that I was on STF with that were making a yeah. thousand a day, you know. And you know, they, it's just all levels of in between. So it was definitely wow. it was not and that's and that's working nothing. Yeah, that's a working like what, six days a week probably? Yeah. 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 No, no, seven. Seven days a week. There was no yeah. days off. There was no yeah. time off. If we were lucky, we got, you know, a half hour a day to play sports, maybe get to call our, our family once a week. I mean, we wow. didn't take showers for like three days straight. It was, it was a nightmare for me. And wow. to me, that was like the beginning of me kind of being like, this is like the most godless thing that I've ever done. Like yeah. everything, everything up until that point in the church, I was able to rationalize. Yeah. Kind of like be like you know this is kind of the course that i'm supposed to be on this yeah. makes sense i can you yeah know. but i was i was on stf i think i left after it was like six months okay. on stf and i and was just a lot i'd lost weight i was sleeping in like carports and baseball dugouts i was just exhausted yeah and there was just no way for me to rationalize in my mind like you know i grew up in a house with like violence domestic abuse like kind of really hard shit yeah. You know, gotten a lot of fights growing up, stuff like that. And then when they try to explain to me that like you're making money for God and that you have to understand it's suffering hard by selling this stuff, but we're not going to tell you where the money goes. But yeah, like it just to me it didn't resonate at all. Yeah. And it was like it was like I you know, I left after six months and I felt guilty when I left. Yeah, of course. Like, I bet. Yeah. I was just like all my friends are still out there, they're still doing this. Yeah. Um, you know. So I left and after a couple months, I had a friend who was on STF yeah. that I had known through summer camp and yeah. stuff like Actually, that. Actually, can I just, I just want to go back to that, that STF experience. So sure. I want to like add a bit more color to it. So like, you know, when you say trinkets, like what were you selling on the, the... I was selling wind chimes. Wind chimes. So they okay. would buy like wholesale wind chimes yeah. for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And then okay. I would sell them like one for 15, two for 20. Well, and it's just something like that, that the church bought for like 50 yeah. cents or something like and that. And I think that they, the church had a history of doing it that way where they, yeah. would, you know, it, it wasn't just our generation doing that. It was yeah. the, all the generations sold yeah. cheap how, crap to make money for the church. Yeah. And how would you, you, you would like go door to door, like knocking on doors or you're like yeah, in a busy so, street corner or like. It was all different. So they would, okay. sometimes they would put us on a busy street and you just go business to business. Yeah. Sometimes they would put you in a neighborhood yeah. and you just go door to door. And the okay. thing was, they weren't, they didn't take into account like, oh, this is a dangerous neighborhood. This is yeah. not a dangerous neighborhood. Yeah. And the way that I looked, I mean, you could see me on camera, but to the, to the listener, I'm, you know, 270 pounds. I got a beard. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big dude. Yeah. But when they would put me in a neighborhood and I would come to somebody's door, 
they're not opening that fucking door because mm. they're like, who is, you know what I mean? Who is this dude? And also like, they just didn't, we were like not connected with the outside world. Yeah. So I remember nine 11 happened, right? Yeah. So nine 11 happens and we're still out on the streets fundraising. Oh, and this man. is how like disconnected the church is from the world. Yeah. The church says, Hey, well, not the church, but you know, like our team leaders say, Hey, yeah. we have wind chimes that have Eagles on them. Everyone's a Patriot right now patriotism is oh, popping let's god let's sell these ones oh my so, god so may, maybe the one of the most mortifying moments of my life is unbeknownst to me the country had decided to have a national moment of silence yeah i didn't know that nobody knew that mm. so i'm i'm on this street i'm in i think we were in upstate new york okay i'm on this street ching 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 yeah. with my wind chimes yeah everyone's outside their house with a candle quiet just my dumb ass walking down the street oh ching, my ching. god man and the first the oh. first people i walked up to were like what the fuck are you doing and they had they like had to explain everything to yeah me. and then i just was like i was so embarrassed i just put put everything in my backpack and just like went and like hid oh man but it was just like that's like, horrible we were so the yeah. church it like i think most other religions it puts itself over nationalism over race yeah. over anything else yeah so you know it's the church against everything else yeah so anyway yeah that's like what we were did you know we were yeah basically like no matter how uncomfortable you felt try yeah. to sell because yeah the, the church has this thing called heavenly deception where basically yeah. the idea is it's okay for you to lie it's okay for you to be dishonest yeah. because you're yeah. doing it for god and you're doing it for that person's eternal soul yeah if they if, they, if you bother somebody and they buy something from you it's because their ancestors told them hey this is this is good. You're doing something for God. Mm, so yeah. we were kind of, you know, told like this, that's how they got us to do things that weren't, you know, polite or rational yeah. or, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean? And did they like, uh, I mean, I just remember I, I did, I never did STF, but I did some fundraising here, here and there. Actually, one of them was on that PLA tour that, that, that you and I were, were on. As I'm sure you remember, we had like some days we were doing fundraising basically on that, yeah. on that tour. Yeah. We would sell stickers and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And actually speaking of, speaking of dangerous neighborhoods, I'll never, I'll never forget like me and this, this one other kid just knocking on doors in Compton asking for, you know, asking, asking for donations for stickers basically. And like in hindsight, I'm like, what the, you know, I'm a parent now. I would never, ever, 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 ever endorse my kid doing that now. But now, but I, I did that when I was, you know, 16 years old, 17 years old. That's just, yeah, man, fuck. And I, I'm just thinking about the numbers there. Like, you know, so one girl makes a thousand dollars a day, call it, you know, just round numbers, 300 K a year. I mean, but I'm even, sure some of them were stacking. I mean, it was, it was like. They were definitely making money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not me. I, yeah. Most and I mean, made it one yeah. day was $400, which is okay. a miracle. Okay. Yeah. But but the majority of my days were, you know, $15 or something. Yeah. <laughs> they were the, especially the young ladies were making, you know, money, money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. So, so like, I mean, so even in, in my like, like brief fundraising career, it was thankfully like, like, like mercifully brief, I would say, I remember we were sort of instructed basically like not to tell the truth. And I'm just wondering exactly. if you can like elaborate more on this idea of heavenly deception. And can you give some examples of like, of, of when you were, you were asked to do that? Yeah. I mean, basically the idea, like I said before, is that we're we're soldiers of god and yeah. this is lucifer's world this is satan's world we yeah. got to do whatever we can to to get god's 
you know, God's work done. Yeah. So some of that is lying to people, you know, I've been fundraised too by church members who say, Hey, we're making money to build uh, schools in Africa. Yeah. And you know, they have their little box of stuff they're selling. And I see a picture of two parents in there and I go, come on. So, you know, like, <laughs> wow. I know that okay. I know that it's happening. Yeah. I, I, I never really had to be deceptive because I never sold nothing. Nobody, <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me personally, that never really came up. But the underlying, the thing that people really need to understand is the church put its own kind of doctrine over everything. Yeah. And that the most yeah. important thing was yeah. the blood lineage of a person. That's yeah. more important than everything. Yeah. Reverend Moon told yeah. girls in the church, if someone is trying to molest you, it's better to kill yourself than to be molested because it'll, yeah. it'll ruin your blood lineage. Yeah. So the church would do things, you know, it, it wanted the, the most important thing was to spread this lineage and they would do things that were like sneaky kind of heavenly deception, you know, like mm. they would have like little holy wine, which yeah. is like the church kind of, you drink that holy wine and it kind of like sanctifies you. So yeah. they would like put that on candy sometimes. Yeah. Or they just you know, Oh, someone's coming over your house. Just, you know, give them one of these. Yeah. So there was like ways to like have be heavenly deceptive. Yeah. For the betterment of, of, of the world basically but yeah. it's you know it's me giving my i don't know my grandma or my friend a piece of candy that had been holy yeah. salted or had holy wine put on it or something yeah. like that yeah. so the church would do like those kind of things where yeah. they weren't like they weren't insidious they weren't hurting people yeah but they weren't being honest with people yeah and yeah. they would do the same kind of thing and you know a lot of their big programs yeah where they would talk about bringing religions together yeah you yeah. know one family under God, you know, you can be a Muslim or a Christian or a Buddhist or whatever. Yeah. We're all one family of God. Yeah. But the reality was they wanted everyone to be one family under God through the church and Reverend Moon. Correct. So it's, Correct. it's heavenly deception. Yeah. You know, it's the same yeah. kind of idea of like, yeah. we're being honest, but we're not being totally honest. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I, I just, I'm like, I can think of one specific example, like when we were on that PLA tour, and we were doing you know, all this fundraising and talking to people about like what we were doing with this whole ab abstinence bullshit. They specifically told uh, told us, I don't know if you heard this, but I, re I remember being told like, if people ask you, tell them that this is not affiliated with any religious movement. Tell them that this is non-denominational, has nothing to do with religion at all, mm -hmm. and that, that people here are, are of all religions effectively. But you and I know that 99% of the people on that tour were, were Moonies. I yeah. do think actually I went, I, I went, I did PLA tour the next year in Japan and Korea. And there were actually a couple Christian girls there. There was uh, like, one like, dude like, on two, the PLA 2000 that was like a capacitor son. Yeah. It yeah. was one so out of like it was one out, a thousand people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And same thing. Like I think the first one, the, the 97 one, I don't think anyone, anyone was a non, non Mooney. Mm -hmm. And the next year there were like two out of, I think 300 that were non Moonies. Yeah. And yet we were told by leadership to go tell people, Oh, this is non-denominational. This, uh, there's no, no, it has nothing to do with any religion. And I'm a lot of it was like, they would like, you know, the church is all different colors of people. So yeah. they can use that to their advantage. But yeah. That's because Reverend Moon decided when he was marrying people to marry yeah. people, you know, if you're Asian or white, you should get together. If you're black yeah. and Latino, you know, he liked yeah. mixing races and mixing yeah. ethnic uh, yeah. backgrounds. Yeah. So of course, everyone's going to look like the entire spectrum because yeah. you've got everything's yeah. there you know yeah he had kind of engineered that it was, it was a clever move to be honest to to, yeah. to sort of engineer that i mean you know 
when you're pulling strings at that level to the point that you can tell people who to marry, mm-hmm. and then then you can start thinking about what their kids are going to look like. Yeah, I mean that that's a pretty powerful powerful lever to pull in someone's life. But I mean, yeah. I think that there's a lot of religions where they use you know you have to be abstinent until you're married because yeah. they know that that's like a source of power that they have yeah. over you. You know, yeah. I can't speak for everyone, but I know that the first time I ever had sex, I was like, oh, that's why they don't want me to do this. Because I don't give a shit about anything else anymore. You know what I'm saying? Not that like in a weird way, but like. Just, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, so the, 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 the point of me talking about STF was after I left, a couple months later, one of my good friends was actually raped and murdered on STF. Oh, my God. So. I think I know. I think I know who you're talking about. Was yeah. it in? It was she, in like she, North Carolina, South Carolina, or I don't remember where it was. Okay, but like, she man, was just like, I, I, like such I, a sweet, beautiful, nice person. Yeah, just wouldn't wouldn't hurt a fly. Just oh my God. just just an amazing person. Any so anyway, you know, I'm at home. I find out. I'm shocked. I'm hurt. Yeah. I tell my my dad. You know, I gotta I gotta fly out there for her for her funeral. Yeah. So I fly out there and in Washington D.C. Yeah. And all the people that were on STF with me, I see them all when I go back. Yeah. They're all still on STF. Yeah. You know, and I would still be there if I hadn't left. Yeah. So it was weird because I'm reconnecting with all these people that are like, hey, like they didn't tell us you left. They like lied to us and like told us you were still fundraising. So anyway, I'm kind of like back in the lion's den, right? Yeah. And we, we, she has her funeral and, you know, we're all, we love her. We send her off, right? And then I go home and I'm thinking, that's got to be the end of STF. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that's yeah. got to be the end. Yeah. And then I hear basically that the, they, they didn't tell anyone that she was raped. They, yeah. The official story was she was, she got robbed and killed. Yeah. What I would later come to understand was basically that the church didn't want it getting out that she had gotten raped. Yeah. So they had like kind of. And that's because they didn't want sort of like dishonor on her family for her losing her pure blood part, lineage before going, it. before yeah. passing and, away. And they also just didn't want the shame, I think, associated uh, with it. Yeah. And this is all secondhand, just to be totally clear. Uh, this is okay. not from the horse's mouth. Okay. But later I oh, – okay. so also they, they said that her parents had met the, the guy who killed her yeah. and had forgiven him. That was like a big thing in the church. Yeah. And, and I feel personally it was a way to kind of sweep it under the rug and say, yeah. hey, you know – we uh, had this one all, sacrifice. Yeah. She's gone now. Let's let's keep going in her honor. Yeah. Instead of doing yeah. what any rational person would do, which is to say, "Hey, we need to stop doing this right now. One life yeah. is too many lives." Yeah. The church was just like, "Nope, we need to keep yeah. going. This has to keep happening." So let's yeah. let's rationalize it in a way that makes sense to church people. Yeah. Normal people aren't going to sit there and go like, "Oh yeah, we should honor her and keep going." No. Yeah. Fuck um, that, man. Yeah. So, anyways, Christ, later man, on. I, I was doing like a, a speaking engagement for the church and ended up meeting her parents and had like a long conversation okay. with them about it and about her. But that was kind of like the the first moment where I was ever like disgusted with the church, you know, where I was yeah. ever just like, why am I associated with this? Yeah. This is so, you know, just the furthest thing I could think of from yeah. the love of God is this thing that happened to yeah. this beautiful person. Yeah. And and we're not yeah. doing anything about and, it. And just just to be clear, she she died so that Reverend Moon could fucking have a marble palace in God knows where where the fuck or or have a tenth house in Hawaii or wherever. Just sure. to be clear, you know, that's that's where that money's going. Or so that his son could 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 snort his hundredth line of coke for the day. That's there what was, that's that's no... what she died for. That's what she died for. 
Yeah, there, there's no, we don't know where the money goes. Yeah. And we know that they live lavishly, that they have palaces, yeah. that they're, you know, yeah. that they have resorts, whatever. Yeah. But we, we were never told where it went. Yeah. And just to bring that story full circle before yeah. I continue, I recently found out that STF is still happening under a different name right now. Okay. During COVID, kids are still out fundraising. What the During fuck? COVID. Oh my God. Selling things hand to hand. It doesn't matter if you're wearing a mask, you're still handing oh. things to people and they're oh handing you money. Oh my God. So through all of the <sighs> terribleness that's happened, it's, it hasn't stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. They still believe that this is their yeah. mission. This is how we grow people. This is what we do. And even yeah. in a time like now, which is just absurdly dangerous, yeah, they're still doing it. So yeah, and um, I, I just want to pause there and just say, like, anyone who's like still in the church, like, just listen to this story and that, like, take a pause and say, is this what you signed up for? Did you did you sign up for 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 something that that sends kids out in the middle of a pandemic? To, to get sick and spread disease? Did you sign up for something to send a girl to get raped and murdered so some fucker could have a, could have a marble palace? Because that's, that's what this is. That's the reality yeah. of this. That's the cold, hard reality. So think about that. Yeah. So that was kind of the first, the first big red flag uh, about the church for me. Because like I said, yeah. the other stuff, the personal stuff, I had always kind of just pushed it down. Yeah. And then, so after that, you know, I, I, moved to the Bay Area for two years and okay. then I moved back to LA. Okay. And I was I was involved with like some church stuff still. Oh, yeah. all of my friends are still church people. Yeah. But while I was doing that church stuff, you know, I was still like a leader, still very yeah. very vocal. I I had a lot of doubt, you know? Yeah. So I decided I was gonna go online and, and buy this book, which was not allowed we weren't allowed to read called In the Shadow of the Moons. Yeah, I know and, that book. Oh yeah. man. Okay. So I had always heard about it and, you know, the church, it always says, you know, it's full of lies. Don't read it. You know, it, it could, it could ruin everything. And you no, know, around the time that, I, you know, I read this book, all of my friends were getting blessed. They were in relationships. Yeah. There were so many girls that like I had crushes on like any normal person mm. and seeing them like, yeah. you know, get married or whatever, like it yeah. just made me insanely jealous. Yeah. And then a lot of them were like, they would be with these church guys and then it wouldn't work out. And they would just like, start dating regular guys. Yeah. So I'm just throwing my hands up going, well, yeah. Like where, and like, what, you what can't am I doing, date you know? anyone. You can't, yeah. like, you can't <laughs> what, date them in I the church. This? You can't date them outside the church. Yeah. What the fuck, man? Yeah. And I did just for full disclosure, yeah. I did yeah. get blessed. Actually. I did end okay. up meeting a JC at one point. I okay. met her two, two times okay. in person. Okay. Sorry. JC means, means Jacob's, Jacob's child. child. Yeah. Sorry. Which is, which is, sorry, please. Yeah. 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 If your blood lineage is not, a pure blood lineage. Yeah. We're called Jacob's children. Yeah. Okay. So I, I got blessed to her. I went to Korea, did the whole okay. thing. Okay. She was, she's one of the nicest people I ever met. She was okay. really cool. Okay. But I just, you know, I was very idealistic and I thought yeah. I could make this work. Yeah. I remember being there with like these other girls that I liked were like getting blessed at the same time. And yeah. I just felt so strange. Yeah. Cause you know, like it wasn't fair to her. I felt like I, I could have been a better person to her. I could have been more serious mm. about everything. Yeah. But anyway, I remember being in like the big hall and there's thousands of people yeah. getting married. And this is in Korea. Time. This is in Korea. In Chungpyong, Korea. No, in Pusan, I think. Okay. Okay. I don't remember exactly. Okay. But uh, I remember Reverend and Mrs. Moon, they were there and uh, the big ceremony is happening. Yeah. And my whole life, I was told this is like, this is the moment you want. This is yeah. like... Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. What changes your whole, everything. Your whole life is built. Yeah, to that. This I mean, is, I know, I know what big. that's like. Like, th same thing for me. Like, 
being born into it, it was the same thing. Like your whole life is building up to this moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so th this is the pinnacle, you know, every, every yeah. sacrifice I ever made, yeah. every, yeah, everything, this is it. Yeah. Although the, you know, the, the girl that I was in love with in high school that I, I pushed to the side, yeah. like every, everything, everything that I've done, this moment is what, yeah. according to the church is like the big, the big deal. Yeah. So I remember like the ceremony happens. And then at the end, Reverend Moon and his wife are walking down the aisles yeah. and they have like holy water and they're like yeah. sprinkling it on people. Yeah. And I remember them like sprinkling it on me. Yeah. And I felt nothing. <laughs> like I thought like I thought this was going to be a transcending moment, you know, where yeah. like I just yeah. was like reborn or like nothing. Yeah. So anyway, after that, you know, I went home and she went home and then later yeah. I went to 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 visit her and her family and yeah. things it didn't work out. I don't okay. want to say more than that, but That's fine. she's a lovely yeah. person. I yeah. uh, you know. Okay. Okay. I uh, I could have been a better person, we'll put it that way. Okay. But uh, yeah. Also, I just wasn't ready to be in a. I had never dated in my whole life. I yeah. wasn't ready to be married. You the know whole I mean? premise is is batshit crazy to to say don't talk to girls, don't have any relationships at all, don't have any feelings for girls, and for your whole life. But then, but then one day, boom, flip a switch, yeah. and now you're married. Make it work. Yeah. Uh, it's so crazy to me how completely sexist the church is. Yeah, from the time that where, you know, when I was little, they would separate boys and girls in almost everything we did. Yeah, and they would tell the girls, you know, don't uh, eat bananas in front of boys. Yeah, don't have that's wet a, I, keep boys. I keep don't hearing that. Don't wear I keep small it. clothes in front of boys. Yeah. And then they would tell the boys, remember, they're your sisters. Yeah. So, you know, don't think about them in a sexual way. Yeah. But they were catering to us. I mean, it was completely like making women feel like shit for just being. Yeah. Women. You know, it was like yeah. so completely like. Yeah. Sexist and like. Anyway, you know, the, the yeah. basis of the entire church is it's Eve's fault. Yeah, so every, exactly. It's all, yeah. You know, it's all yeah. Yeah. sexism and shame. And yeah. Anyway, yeah, so we're not supposed to talk to girls, interact with yeah. girls. And then all of a sudden, hey, here's your free girl. You yeah. Know, you're married now. Yeah. All that stuff we taught you, just forget about it. Yeah. So anyway, so that happened. And then after that, I read In the Shadow of the Moon. Yeah. And keep in mind, during that time, like all my friends are still like church members. They're still... Yeah. You know, they still believe. Yeah. So I read that book and uh, there's some things that I already knew. I knew that yeah. his kids had drug problems, that they beat yeah. up, you know, other kids, that they were bullies, yeah. that they were just not good people. Yeah. But the thing that I didn't know that blew, blew my mind yeah. to everything that I was taught my entire life, Reverend Moon is the only person on this earth that can hear and feel the suffering heart of God. The okay. church teaches that God has been suffering from the time Adam and Eve fell. Since that moment, he's suffered more than anything you can imagine. Yeah. The worst suffering. And that Reverend Moon is the only person on earth that can feel that, right? And that God's only wish is to have his lineage established on earth, which means Reverend Moon, his wife, have kids. One man, one woman, one family. That's it. Yeah. So not only was Reverend Moon married more than once, which yeah. I had already known and had been yeah. rationalized to me by a million yeah. adults. Yeah. He had kids out of wedlock. Yeah. That I had, yeah. I had never heard of until yeah. I read that book and I read yeah. about Sam Park is his name. Yeah. Which anyone yeah. can find on the internet. Yeah. It's common knowledge. Yeah. So it just so happens, right? I read about that. Yeah. And I'm thinking from my perspective, the first thing I'm thinking is I made myself a servant my whole life. Like mm. I, 
I put myself on the back burner my whole life. I put my heart away because of this blood lineage thing. Yeah. Like, I tried my hardest to be the best version of myself because I felt like I wanted to make God, you know, make God happy. I wanted yeah. to ease God's suffering heart. Like as yeah. a kid that grew up with no mother who just had low self-esteem and depression. Yeah. My thing is I don't want anyone to feel the way that I felt. Yeah. So for me to find out that Reverend Moon had had broke the biggest rule of all the rules, yeah. I was just like, what the, my head was spinning. Yeah. Yeah. So it just so happens that day that I saw one of the church uncles who I had known since I was very young. Yeah. And he was like, he took, he mentored me. He took care of me. He was such yeah. a great dude. He was a straight shooter. I mean, anything I asked the guy, you know, he'll be honest with you. Yeah. And it also just so happens he worked security in the moon estate in New York. Okay. So he knew all, right, all the so moon's he, kids. He knew yeah. the family intimately. Yeah. So I asked him, I said, Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. He said, yeah. I said, do you know who Sam Park is? And he just looked at me for a minute and he was like, yeah. And I was like, is, is that really Reverend Moon's son? And he said, yeah. I said, okay. <sighs> I, I didn't say anything after that because yeah. the thing is, you know, I loved him and I didn't want to make waves. Yeah. And it's funny because when I think back to it, it's one of those things, if you would have told us when we were kids that Sam Park existed and, yeah. and rationalized it, it wouldn't yeah. have made waves because just yeah. like everything else in, yeah. in the church was justified and, you know, yeah, they find, yeah just like heaven, heavenly deception, they can justify exactly. anything with whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But the fact yeah. that I didn't know, and then yeah. I found out from the person, one of the people I trusted the most, yeah. that it was true. Yeah. Man. So yeah, I just, I, I tucked that inside. Yeah, And I, you know, I still kept doing church stuff because that's, some people can relate once you start having doubts. Yeah. I think it's like this in a lot of other religions probably are just groups. Yeah. You don't want to be the person that's bringing the negativity into the group No, because you don't no. want to rock the boat. Yeah. So even having that conversation with one of your best friends, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to dead that shit quick. They don't want it's to. It's hard. Yeah. I've been way. there. I've been there. Yeah. This is the thing that they've done their uh, whole entire life. They've yeah. given everything to, Yeah. you know, you don't, they don't want you to rock the boat. So yeah. So I'm there, that happens. And after that, you know, like I kept doing church stuff. Yeah. Um, I ended up going to, to Israel twice. They had, they, had a, okay. they had a thing called MEPI, Middle East Peace Initiative, okay. which is basically where they took Christians, Jews, and Muslims to Israel yeah. and tried to like have like peace talks between the different okay. people that lived there. Okay. And that was like really dope to me okay. as somebody that like had over the years studied like religions just being in that place was like transformative for me Okay, and meeting okay. like meeting people of different faiths. And yeah, so that's why I say like the church had a lot of, there's a lot of good mm, things that came out of the church. Okay. A lot okay. of beautiful things. Yeah. You know, a lot of the travel and meeting people from other yeah. cultures and yeah. Uh, you know, when I think about like why I'm negative towards the church it's I'm negative towards the moon family. Yeah. I feel like the, the first generation, the adults that I met in my life yeah. that were, that joined the church, like they all authentically wanted to create a world of compassion and love. Yeah, that was their authentic desire to yeah. those people. Yeah, but they were manipulated. Yeah, the only thing the last the last thing I'll say about my journey, yeah. and we can yeah. talk about something else, is the definitive thing that made me leave the church. So I mentioned earlier my brother Joe, yeah. who yeah. grew up, you know, very similar paths. Both yeah. Jacob's children, both kind yeah. of told the same things. Both yeah. did our best to like be front and center, be on stage with the mic, yeah. rah rah. This yeah. is us. We're down. You know, we yeah. really wanted the love. We wanted the acceptance. Yeah. So, you know, he, he did STF and then he went to college and, yeah. and he he's always been like, 
very like outgoing and kind of artsy and creative. Yeah. And a little bit, you know, a little bit of feminine, not a lot, but he would get teased for it a lot growing up. Okay. And I would later find out from him that he was having, you know, feelings of maybe, maybe I'm gay. Yeah. For a large portion of his life. Yeah. And that the church had kind of, he had told people he respected and they had kind of shamed him and yeah, told him to do like conversion therapy and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So anyway, he just, you know, he, he had never come out to anyone yeah. except for those church adults that he had talked yeah. to. And then he moved to the East Coast. He got accepted into Columbia. Okay. So he decided, I'm going to go to the East Coast. I'm going to go to school and kind of figure yeah. out, you know, who yeah. I am. Yeah. Well, un- unbeknownst to him, the church is huge in New York. Yeah. Love and Life had just started. Yeah. And he had, <laughs> he had moved there. And sorry, and, uh, love and life. Love and life. For those who don't know, is kind of like a reincarnation of like the sort of church in a, in a way, run by yeah. Injin Moon. Yeah. So one of Reverend Moon's daughters basically decided to like have like a telecasted church service for the whole yeah. community. Yeah. And it was like a, a big kind of revival. Yeah. And it was so based she, in New York City, right? Like yeah, they, they would the have a service Center. in per, in person in in New York City, and then it would yeah. like broadcast around the East. Exactly. So he. My brother had gotten to know her and her family and she asked him to like plan a, like they did like a winter ball. Okay. It was like, you know, they had like everybody come. Yeah. And she had, she had started to kind of like normalize the church a little bit. Like kids were like dancing and stuff like that. Like yeah. Interacting. Yeah. It was weird to everyone that didn't grow up that way, but it, yeah, she was trying at least a little bit to make it like kind of normal. Yeah. So anyway, so my brother plans his formal, blah, blah, blah. You know, I go out there. It's really nice. He does a great job. Yeah. And shortly after that, he came out. Yeah. He, you know, he told me, he told my parents, my family. Yeah. Uh, and then the broad, the broad community. Yeah. And up until that point, I mean, he was, he was beloved by everybody. Mm. I mean, he was yeah. just this, this figure of, mm. you know, this is the kind of kid that we want our kids mm. to be, you know, he was the first to volunteer for anything, the hardest working, yeah. the, yeah he was that that kind of thing and then once he came out i I can't tell you how many people messaged me and when they saw me in person said things like man i'm so sorry like i can't believe it like he's (sighs) your parents must be so embarrassed that kind of stuff and fuck that the other side of it was there was a lot of church people that were accepting and they love him no matter what yeah but to me it was very clear at that moment that I can no longer be affiliated with this thing full mm. stop. Yeah. I choose my brother. I choose the people I love over this yeah. doctrine point yeah. blank period. Yeah. If it was, it was, if it was, you know, my brother or God hanging yeah. off the volcano and I got to let go of yeah. the hand. See yeah. you later, God. Yeah. Sorry, bro. This is yeah. my, this is my blood. Yeah. So, you know, so when, when he came out and people started doing them that way, for me, that was the end. Yeah. So it was a culmination of, STF and then the book and then yeah. my brother. And you know, Holy in a lot shit, of ways, my man. brother just had the, he had the, you know, the balls to, to come out and be himself. Yeah. And you know, he's my younger brother. Yeah. That gave me like the motivation to be like, Hey, look, dude, he's taking a stand. I should too. It's, yeah. You know, I'm sure his, his coming out was a million times harder than I can imagine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, so that was the end of the church for me. Wow. Okay. So when, when was that? I don't remember the timeline to be okay. honest. I'm really it sounds like maybe like mid 2000s. It could be. Something like that. Yeah. Like early to and mid I'm, 2000s. You know, uh, a lot of people are just like 
fuck the church, fuck God. Like, yeah. you know, everybody's reaction to, to leaving is different. And like, yeah. I have so many things that I can point to as like hurtful, negative things yeah. in my life that directly come from the church, you know, yeah. personally and, and outside of that. But the flip side is I've made some of the best friends I'll ever have in my life. Mm. I've traveled to places that I, I never thought yeah. I would go to yeah. experienced culture, you know, like I got a lot. Yeah. So it's to me, it's not a completely negative thing. And yeah. like I said, the, the first generation of church members, you know, they, they join this thing to do something for the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? To like create like a world of love. Yeah. And a lot of them became mentors to me or people that I looked mm-hmm. up to. And they were just, to me, they were just as used as, as we were, you know? Yeah. No, um, I, I think that's, that's definitely true. I think they were just as manipulated as we were. They were, yeah, they were, they were abused just as much as, as, as we were. And, and I think the thing that was used against them was their idealism in, in general, like they, they, they generally genuinely wanted to do something good. And that was, that was used against them to, you know, manipulate them into this whole, you know, doing, join this whole, you know, clusterfuck of, of a cult effectively. Yeah. And, and I guess, I think, I don't know, just to go back to your point of like, yeah, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. I got some, I got some good out of it. I would, I would tend, I would agree with you on that. Like I've made some great friends throughout this, this whole experience. I've been to play, I've been to, uh, I've been to amazing places. I've had, I have had some genuinely amazing experiences and made some good friends, but in my mind that doesn't absolve the church of any of its sins it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make it make it any better it's a it's 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 a useful byproduct that i'm grateful for but it doesn't make it make the whole enterprise any less evil in Mm -hmm. my in in my opinion i i have i have i have no respect for the moon family at all yeah whether it's the father whether it's hyunjin whether it's mr bullet crown just like Wee herman yeah I think that they're all <laughs> terrible people. I think yeah. that they, they use people. They all live yeah. lavish lifestyles. And I've had personal interactions with some of them. Yeah. Uh, I won't talk about that. Okay. I think they're terrible people. Yeah. I think there's also terrible people in the church. Some of those yeah. adults that I'm talking about, yeah. not good people. Yeah. They also take advantage of people's yeah. good nature. Yeah. And, I, you know, I as an adult now, uh, I'm 37 years old. And yeah. I think of some of the ways that we were treated when we were younger yeah. or some of the things that were said to me or other people, you know, it's, it's something that I would never do. Yeah. But also I have to take some responsibility because I said those things sometimes as mm-hmm. a, as a youth group leader, yeah. you know, I perpetuated hurtful, hurtful ideas towards, you know, young women in the church or yeah. young men in the church that I was taught, Yeah, you know, whether it was about abstinence or, putting you know god before yourself or whatever yeah. whatever it was yeah i was also a leader in the church for a period of time you know yeah so the same way that i did it they did it to us yeah so to me the the moon family a1 is they're not good people yeah period full stop yeah not good people yeah two yeah the i the ideology of the church is just it doesn't make sense to me anymore now that yeah. i'm outside of it now that i've studied other religions and philosophies and you know it's just cherry picking things from other religions mm-hmm. and then adding your own kind of yeah it's almost like making a delicious gumbo and adding a little bit of poison in there and saying this is the best gumbo i ever had you know <laughs> i made this gumbo so yeah it's you know it's not good yeah and who knows 
if I had not joined the church or if I had how my life would have been better or worse. Mm -hmm. So all I can look at is, is the, the path that I, yeah. you know, that I walked yeah. and I can, you know, cherry pick the good and the bad. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a violent church. It's not something that people need to be scared of something happening violent, but it is a church that promotes one thing, but is not that thing. Mm. You know yeah. I mean? It is exactly. a church that yeah. really is mentally violent. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. 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 It promotes this idea. I, I think, I mean, the idea you mentioned it earlier, and this is honestly something that, that never occurred to me, but even, you know, so I was born as, as a second generation and, and I was told that my own needs, you know, didn't matter that they, that like my purpose was to marry someone in the church. And, and that was it. That was, that was mm -hmm. the only reason I was born was to marry someone in the church and whatever I wanted out of my life didn't matter in the context yeah. of that. And so, you know, personally, I think that's a really damaging thing to like, that's a damaging premise for, for a religion to begin with, to tell everyone that like your own wants and needs and desires have no value. But then to speak to you is actually fucking crazy because you're telling me that, that, that so I was like, I was, that's what I, that's what I was told, but you were told that, that your job is to support me and to serve mm -hmm. me in yeah. that, in the context of that, of that overall caste system. And that is fucking mm -hmm. terrifying and, and, and frightening that, that they would, I mean, that that's real abuse. And to do that to kids is really, I mean, it, it's fucked up. It's, 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 it's not something to be taken lightly. I mean, there is, there is times in my life where I would have literally died for you. I, I don't even know you. I mean, yeah. There's there's people that you wow. have in your life yeah. that you would die for, that yeah. you would stand in front of a bullet for. Yeah. But just based on who what you are, yeah, uh, I would have done that for you. Yeah. Not knowing you, and that's that's you crazy. Been Hitler doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generation. I would. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that level. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't put yourself <laughs> down. I don't know you. Maybe you <laughs> yeah, do. I mean, I'm <laughs> grateful. I, you know, I certainly would have been grateful if that ever happened but equal, like yeah. that's great that's how crazy the church is is that, is that they convince you in you know you know as a, as a young man that that you should die for me because somehow i'm worth more than you that's, that's what, the insidious that's what, nature yeah. of the church yeah they convinced the church is a korean church yeah that teaches all people are one all religions are yeah. one love 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 yeah but somehow if you're japanese you got to pay double the amount in tithing yeah after, yep. you know you have yeah. to do double the amount of venting for all the terribleness you've done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's straight up racism. It's yeah. straight up. Yeah. Korea was attacked by Japan. Yeah. So now you guys are the bad guys. Yeah. We're the good guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and if you think about the, like the big picture, it, it makes sense that they would, everything is class. Everything is yeah. cast. Everything yeah, exactly. Is, you know, the Koreans exactly. are the chosen one and everyone exactly. else is just, fall yeah. in line you know yeah yeah no and, and that, that's exactly yeah it's 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 funny i mean well it's just crazy talking to you and understanding like a whole nother level of this so like i've spoken to, to various people and I'll, obviously i grew up within it as well but yeah there's this idea that koreans are the best like mm -hmm. japanese are the worst but then there's also this this class this system of lineage as well which sort of transcends transcends race in a way it transcends race but it also creates a new race effectively because if you believe that bullshit then i am some new race like sure. which is completely fucking crazy that's why it's a caste system that's what yeah. people don't understand he created yeah. a caste system yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly and, and the then, church i mean the church has a history of racism too which they won't address yeah um 
there's videos of you know when Reverend Moon in the sixties and seventies is yeah. matching people yeah. of different races. Yeah. He'll grab a black person and say, Who yeah. who was brave enough to marry yeah. this person? Yeah. That's straight up fucking racism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And of course at the time, I'm sure those people were so conditioned the way that I was back in the day to think, yeah, wow, just like, to, oh you know. Yeah. Um, uh, who's gonna love this child of God like they deserve? Yeah. No, it's yeah. fucking racism. Yeah. So you know, it's it, all the signs were there. Yeah. But they 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 hijack people's like yeah. compassion and goodwill and love. Yeah. And uh, they make you just trick your brain off and just you know whatever they say that's that's yeah. what's right. That's yeah. The ultimate consequences don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And even like yeah, I'm just thinking of like you know the homophobia and it's it's like I can't even. I'm trying to think how you like if you could create like a matrix of like hierarchies within within the church. Like, what if you were like a second generation, but you were gay versus, but and maybe versus you know like oh you're Korean Korean second generation gay versus like first generation like black hetero like mm-hmm. where what does the hierarchy look like there I'll you know you and funny. it's like you know it's like how do you there, I, I don't know it's just i'm just thinking but somewhere someone has has that mental map in the in, uh-huh. in, in the church how many of reverend moon's kids married non-koreans do you know zero. the answer to that zero, zero. Yeah. that tells you everything you need yeah to know. yeah everything you need to know yeah. How come exactly. Reverend Moon didn't want a half black grandson? How come yeah. he didn't want a half white grandson? Yeah. How come yeah. he didn't want a half Guatemalan grand? You know. Yeah. Whatever. Talk yeah. it, not walking it. Yeah. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. And there's a lot of like, it's it's hard to talk about a lot of this stuff, right? Because you know, I'm a younger person growing up on the West Coast. Yeah. We didn't see the moons. We weren't as intimately close to the Moon family because yeah. they were all on the East Coast. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of other people that could personally speak to these things. Yeah. But to me, a lot of this stuff just came after I was out of the church and I'm just, you know, at, at a bar with my friends who also grew uh, up in the church and we're having a beer, just talking uh, about, and then, yeah, you know, it starts hitting you. Things start dawning on you. Like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. This is why, this is why, this is why yeah. this, you know, but yeah. when you're in it, man, there is just, it's just us versus them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, I think it's like that oh. probably with, there's a reason why you walk past the Scientology center and there's somebody outside handing out books and leaflets yeah they, they ain't got time to listen to you because yeah it's us versus them yeah right? yeah i mean that that is that is how cults function they they create mm-hmm. that us versus them mentality that's i mean that that that's a, a tried and true method of her pretty much every cult to create that us versus them distinction which is which is what enables you know things like heavenly deception for instance you know we know better they don't they don't know it it's okay for us to lie cheat and steal with them because we know what's best uh, because we are us and they, they are them. That is, that's a exactly. tried and true trope of pretty much every, every cult that's out there. That's it for part one of my interview with Eris Meyer. In part two, we're going to, speak about what his life has been like after leaving the church. And we're going to talk about the impacts of being placed in the position of the most undesirable in the caste system within the Unification Church. I'd like to thank Eris for his contribution, and I hope you'll stick around for episode two. As always, I welcome any feedback, positive or negative. Feel free to hit me up at Falling Out Pod on Twitter. Take care, folks.